Hey listeners, my name is Elisha, the founder of the Witnesses Podcast. It's so beautiful to have you listening to our podcast. And I want you to know something that that means a whole lot to me. Thank you for tuning in. And one thing I love to tell all of our listeners is, it's not just about you listening, but listening to understand. Understanding is the most important thing. So important. So, you have to listen, learn, and practice. Thank you so very much and happy listening. Hi, Christy. It's nice to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. That's so good. You know, oftentimes I love to talk about the essence of this show, which is to invite amazing guests, amazing guests like Christy, who have triumphed over one challenges or another. We invite them to come talk to us about their stories because we believe that in our audience there might be someone who is stocked up in a situation that you came out of triumphantly. So um, that person may be listening or those people might be listening and pick an information from what you said or what you'll be saying that would actually lead to um, a transformation in their lives. So that's basically the essence of the show. All right, Christy, we need the next few minutes. Let us get started with your introduction, your story, the challenges that you faced, and how you overcame them. And afterwards, I've got some questions for you. Okay, let's get started. Wonderful. Okay. Well, um, I was raised in a uh, good home, right, with good parents, honesty, morality, all those things, but not a Christian home. Um, My father was raised in the Christian church and my mother was raised in the Catholic church. And so they couldn't agree on where to go. So we didn't go to church at all. And so I went to church a handful of times growing up, mainly if I was with a friend and stayed, you know, slept over at their house and they went to church. But I didn't have any understanding of God, Jesus, any of that. And so I would ask my friends, I always had this natural curiosity about the Lord. And I would ask my friends, well, to them, going to church was uh, a duty, something they had to do. It wasn't a privilege. And so they'd say, I don't know. But for me, it was something I would have loved to have had the privilege to do. I always compare it to piano lessons, right? My friends who had to take piano lessons hated it. (laughs) And I always wanted to take piano lessons, but we didn't have the money or the piano or anything like that. So what they thought was a chore, I thought was a privilege and and would have loved to have learned. But at any rate, um, when I met my husband, um, he had grown up going to church some, but didn't live in a Christian household. His mom, you know, his, his grandmother was a wonderful Christian woman and she would take him to church, but he didn't see, uh, you know, a a life glorifying God growing up in the home Monday through Saturday. Right. So when we got together, I don't think that we ever talked about the Lord before our wedding. Um, but we got married and, uh, I began working with a gal and, and really I had settled into the fact that it was just too late for me, right? That you have to start going to church when you're young 
and that helps you become a good person. And that's how you're accepted by God. Those were my misconceptions. And so I thought it's really too late for me now. You know, I was 23 when we got married and I thought I'm too far gone. And I would have to go to children's church if I did go to church because I'm so behind and I don't understand anything. And so, but I came, I started to work with a gal who, uh, who I measured her sin as far greater than mine, right? She had done lots and lots of bad things in my, you know, in my estimation. Well, she got saved. She came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And she began to talk to me about him. And I would ask questions and she'd say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that, but here's what I do know. My, my marriage is better. My family is better. Like, this is what I'm learning. And so she was no theologian, right? We don't have to be a theologian to share the Lord Jesus with other people. But just seeing the changes that she that he was making in her life and understanding that I thought, well, if God can do something with her, if he finds her valuable after all of her past, maybe he can do something with me, right? So I, um, I began to ask my husband, do you think we should go to church? And he would say, let's wait until we have kids. We'll do it then. Or let's wait until this or that, the other one Saturday night, we were sitting watching television in the family room and I'll never forget. It was like, I'm going to go. It was like the Lord was speaking to my heart saying, this is between you and I don't worry about him. That's between he and I, but this is between you and I, and I want you. And so I called my friend. I said, you know, where do I go and what do I wear and all those things. And so I got dressed. I asked my husband. He said, no, I didn't want to. And, I, you know, deep down, I was afraid. I was afraid to go without him because I wanted us to be together on this. Maybe I knew that it was going to transform my life forever. I don't know. But I got up the next morning and I got ready and I went to church. And actually, I was saved in the car on the way to the building. I began to pray and say, Lord, I've been to all of these different churches and the music is bad and the people are weird and all of these things. Would you make this the right church for me? And what I felt him saying to me was, are you ready? Because this is between you and I. It doesn't have anything to do with the people and the music and all those things. Are you ready? And I said, yeah. And so, um, and the reason that I say that I was saved on the way to church is because when I got to church and the pastor began to speak out of the Bible, I had understanding that I had never had before, which I come to find out later when I read the scripture that says, you know, the things of the spirit are only discerned by the spirit. And so I believe with all my heart that I received the Holy Spirit on the way to church that morning. But one thing that was funny or very personalized by God, when I got to church and the pastor stood up to preach, he said, Today, I'm going to be speaking out of Genesis. And for those of you who don't know, that's the very first book in the Bible. <sighs> and I just felt, oh, Lord, you are speaking right to me. Like, I didn't think there was anybody else in the world who couldn't find their way around the Bible. Only me. 
And here he was saying, that's the very first book in the Bible. So I was able to find it. I was so thrilled. So um, I, I talked to the pastor afterwards. I said, can you come to my house? I need to talk to you. I have lots of questions. I don't know, you know, anything. He said, yes. So he agreed to come to my house that Tuesday night. And I remember running around my house thinking, what do I need to hide? Because there's probably <laughs> some sin stuff around here that I don't even know is sin and I should hide it from him. Cause I've never had a conversation with a pastor before. Yeah. And in my impression, a pastor is someone who's been perfect their whole life. And that's how they got to be a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I asked his wife and he's, and she said, no, that he was not perfect his whole life. <laughs> so when he got to my house, this is what I said to him. I said, I hear you talk about God. I hear you talk about Jesus. I hear you talk about the Holy Spirit. Who are all of them and which one do I pray to? <laughs> he said, oh my. He said, do you have anything cold to drink? Because I get the feeling I'm going to be here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so he was there with me for about three hours. And I was just asking one question after another, after another, after another. Because I was 28 years old and I knew nothing. And so he's answering my questions. He's telling me about scripture and all of this. My husband is sitting with me and my husband is answering some of the questions. And I'm like, you know this stuff? And he's like, well, yeah, I went to church. I, I said, I was going to hell in a handbasket and you were just going to sit by and watch. <laughs> but obviously my husband was not walking with the Lord. Or he wouldn't have married me because, you know, we're not supposed, we're, the Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked. And if he had been walking with the Lord, I definitely would have been an unequal yoke. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked the pastor, what do I do next? He said, you get baptized in obedience. And so I said, okay, what is, what does that mean? And he explained it to me and I went the next the next Sunday, and I was baptized. In the meantime, I called everybody I knew and said, I'm getting baptized next weekend. Do you want to come see? God just gave me this boldness to reach out to all the people that I knew who I knew were not following Jesus. I, I knew one, no, I knew two people who were following Jesus. One was the girl I told you about, and the other one was another friend of mine and when I told her that I was getting saved and baptized, she was so confused. She said, Christy, I, I thought everybody knew. I thought you knew. I thought you'd been raised in a Christian home. She just assumed because I grew up in the United States, right? In this Christian nation with a church on every corner. She assumed that I knew and that I was just choosing not to practice, at, you know, during that season of life or whatever. I said, no, I didn't. I didn't know. Well, she felt terrible that she had never shared her faith with me. And that's been something that I've really held on to and that I've shared with so many others is that we can assume that people know. People can grow up next door to the church and not hear the message of the gospel and not understand uh, salvation in Jesus Christ. And so we can't assume about anybody. We don't know. We can't recognize, you know what's going on in a person's heart. And so I, I'm really thankful. The Lord 
immediately after my baptism and salvation had me journal my whole story and what it felt like to be in the darkness and what it felt like to be transferred into the light of his kingdom. And he wanted me to share my story so that others would know that a a 28-year-old person who grew up in the United States cannot know. Even my parents, Elisha, were shocked when I told them, y'all, I didn't know why we celebrated Christmas. I didn't know why we celebrated Easter. I thought it was about the bunny and the eggs and the chocolate. I didn't know. And they were flabbergasted. They thought somehow that I would have picked up on that. I get, I don't know, I guess through school or something. They did not teach that at the house. And I guess it was something they knew, but they didn't share it with me. So moving on from there, um, almost right away, a lady asked me if I would come and share my testimony with a group of women. And I said, sure. I, I didn't really know what that meant, but I just knew she wanted to know how I came to know Jesus. And I was like, I'll tell you the best I can, you know? And um, so I did. And there was like, I don't know, six or eight of us sitting around a conference table. And I told them. And many of them had been believer, you know, had been grown up in the church. They'd been believers for a long time. And so my story was very unique and different for them. And um, so then someone else asked me to come share. And maybe it was 10 or 12 and someone else. And about the fourth time somebody asked me to come and share I walked into the building and the woman met me in the hallway and she said, do you want a handheld mic or a, or a earpiece mic? And I said, microphone, like, what are you talking about? She opened up the door and there was about 200 people sitting in a gym and they wanted me up on the stage. And I said, oh Lord, (laughs) what's happening? I had no idea that there would be that many people there. Luckily, I've never had a shy bone in my body. I know you're surprised by that. And so that was when God showed me that um, this, is your, this is your gift, this is your calling, is to speak and to teach and to share. And so it has been my privilege to share my story and, um, and speak to different women's groups and share uh, what the Lord has done in my life, not just through my salvation, but since then, um, through my family. My husband and I now have four kids, two grandbabies, one on the way. We have a son adopted from Ethiopia. Um, The Lord has, we've homeschooled all four kids. I mean, my life is unrecognizable from what I would have imagined it to be, right? If you talk to somebody that I went to high school or college with, they would say, we must be talking about a different person, a different Christie, right? Because my life is unrecognizable. But the Lord showed my husband and I how to build a Christian family and how to raise um, children to know and love the Lord. And it really, when I look at it today, all, all the glory goes to him because we didn't know what we were doing. Every step of the way, we were saying, Lord, how do we do this? Lord, how do we do this? Lord, how do we do this? And he has walked us through step by step and brought people and mentors and books and churches and resources and everything that we've needed to do what we've done. Um, And it has been 
far more exciting and adventurous and interesting than any life I could have designed for myself apart from him. Amazing, Christy. You've got a very beautiful salvation story. Wow. Yes. About that. That's okay. okay. The very first questions. Um, first question, very important, very, very important. It says, what are the um, six powerful habits that make um, a marriage last? Mm. You got it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, um, let's let's get there. I um, three years ago. Well, Rusty and I have been married. We're going to have our thirty year anniversary in May. Very exciting. Thirty years. Yeah, I feel like I'm only thirty myself. <laughs> but three years ago, um, our marriage was in kind of a a, a pit, a dry place, right? And so I began, I've always been passionate about marriage and family. My parents divorced my senior year of high school. It's very painful for me. And I had to walk through that without the Lord. That was before I knew the Lord. And so I've been passionate about marriage and family. And about three years ago, God brought me to a book um, called The Empowered Wife. And I'll show you what that looks like. The Empowered Wife and the Surrendered Wife. I found those books by the author, Laura Doyle, and I read them and they were different than all of the other marriage books that I had been looking at. And they really um, showed me my part in the state of our marriage, uh, where I had been blaming him completely. If he would do this, if he would change in this way, all of these things, right? And so um, I read the books. I got... uh, one-on-one private coaching from a certified Laura Doyle marriage coach and everything just turned around as soon as I started practicing these six skills so much so that I said I want to take this on myself and so I went through the year-long training and became a certified relationship coach myself and so what I do now is I work exclusively with women to change their marriages to revive dead marriages to um, to shine up the dull ones, right? Whatever it is, some women are in crisis and some women just need a refresh, right? Yeah, but yeah, right. that is, that's my passion now. Yeah. So you asked about the, the skills. And let me just, let me just tell you about one skill that was very, uh, that was really important in my transformation. And that was self-care. And what I mean by that is that as women, many times we get caught up in being the wife, being the mom, taking care of the kids, taking care of the home, all of the responsibilities that go along with it. And we we neglect ourselves. And so we show up very happy to our marriages and to our family. We can get bitter. We can get resentful. We can get tired right? Because we're not taking care of ourselves. And so something I always say is that happy people have happy relationships. Miserable people don't. They don't. So we've got to show up happy. And no one is responsible for my happiness except me. I'm the only one that can do it. So what I encourage ladies to do is make a list of 20 things that they enjoy doing that make them happy, that make them smile, that make them laugh, 
right? Some of them are free. Some of them cost money. Some of them take five minutes. Some of them take an hour. You know, you make that list and you use that list to turn your mood around so that you can show up happy for your husband and your family. And that is who he chose to marry, right? I wasn't bogged down and exhausted and stressed out and resentful when he met me. No, I was a girl of fun and light, right? So I want to get back to that place so that I'm attracting him back to me. So that was one of the skills that I used. Amazing. <laughs> okay. Uh, the second to the last question. All right. More like we're just trying to ask it again. What makes a marriage last forever? You know, some people believe that um, it is so, so impossible to have a lasting marriage, maybe due to their experiences or their backgrounds and all of that. So let's say there is someone who doesn't believe that it is possible for a marriage to last forever, is listening to this podcast, and the person asks, okay, what makes a marriage last forever? What would your response be? <laughs> yeah. Well, we all think that our marriage is going to last forever when we stand at the altar and say, I do, right? That's, that's the goal. And that's the promise. And so um, we believed it at one point, or we wouldn't have stood up and said that. And we chose the person too. I love to remind women, you chose this man, right? We here, uh, we do not, these are not arranged marriages. My marriage was not arranged. I chose my husband and he chose me, right? So there's something that we, we at one time were crazy about each other, right? Nobody decides to get married without being crazy about the other person. So what my goal is as a coach is to get you back to that feeling, those qualities that caused you to fall in love with him, they're still there. They're still in him. They may have gone missing temporarily because of the circumstances, right? So one of the things that I like to do is go back and look at the old photo albums of the beginning of our relationship and remember, kind of re revive my mind. What was it that caused me to fall in love with him? What do I love about him? And maybe even listen to some of the music that we were listening to during those dating days and during that time of high romance, right? So remember that, what caused you to fall in love with him. Make a list, start a gratitude list. What do you love about your husband? What do you appreciate about him? Now, listen, when women are, um, are in a really bad place in their marriage, that can be difficult. But maybe he mows the lawn. Maybe he goes to work. Maybe he drives the kids to practice. I don't know. But find some things to be thankful about. Some things that you appreciate him. Maybe he's honest, right? Um, and, and then tell him those things. Like express that gratitude to him. Thank you for taking the kids to school. Thank you for keeping the cars um, up on their oil changes. Whatever it is, begin to express that gratitude. One of the other big things that I really think um, helps the longevity of a marriage on the female side is respect. I thought that I was a respectful wife. I really did. And I would have told you that I respect my husband. But when I began to learn and dive deeper into what it means to respect, 
and how a man receives respect or sees disrespect. I found that I was disrespectful in many ways that I was unaware of. We call those blind spots. And we all have blind spots, right? The things that we can't see that we're doing. And so my job is to help women uncover their blind spots so that they can see how when they said this, it may have landed as disrespectful to him. And when he feels disrespected, he withdraws and he avoids. And he doesn't want to be criticized. He doesn't want to be taught. He doesn't want to be helped. He wants a partner. And so we just uncover a lot of blind spots and teach about respect. And so there are six intimacy skills that we use to revive and save marriages. And when all are put together, it, I, have, I have seen the transformation in thousands of women. It's very exciting. So if you have hope for your marriage, I have, I have lots of hope for your marriage. And I'm ready to stand with you and support you to get you to the other side of breakthrough. Beautiful. You know, I really love what you're doing. Your purpose is such a beautiful one. That's so good. So, um, in con- let's say there's someone who would like to reach out to you. How can that be possible? Mm-hmm. Uh, my, website uh, my website is relationshipswithamap.org. So you're welcome to reach out there. And uh, my email is relationshipswithamap at gmail.com. And I would love to support any woman who's motivated to make a change in her marriage, who wants to fall back in love with her husband, who wants that connection, who wants to feel cherished and um, desired again. Thank you so very much, Christy. Thank you for honoring the hint back. It means a whole lot. So that's going to be the end of the show. Thank you so very much, Christy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this incredible episode. Your support means the world to us, and we truly value you. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Your feedback is greatly appreciated.